Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Raw Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick. Look back on last night's episode of Monday Night Raw. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review Raw and SmackDown, also NXT, AEW, Dynamite, pay per views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course. On WrestleCulture. As I said, they're joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to review Monday Night Raw. And Michael Hamlet, what did you make of the go home show ahead of WrestleMania Backlash? Bad. Bad wrestling show. It's, it's the worst wrestling show there is. Um, it's the worst version of the worst wrestling show there is. I was as hyped for go home as I will be for Fallout this time <laughs> in seven days, when on both occasions we've been given nothing to talk about, nothing to respond to. Like Soz, you know, like well, there's a couple of things we get, we get to pick at here that were that were reasonable, that are interesting. A couple over three hours, <laughs> it's not enough, is it? It's not enough. It's it's never going to be enough ever. But you're looking at maybe fifty fifty to have a, a satisfactory time with your three hours, and well, it's not even ninety ten. It's not even ninety five five. Ninety eight two. It's not, I like two things in three hours. It's not enough. It's never going to be enough. John Pollock tweeted this morning, there's been nearly 500 episodes of these three-hour rolls. That's like, I'll never get those back. Ever. There's a line in the film The Breakfast Club, right, which is so great because when you're of the age of the cast, or like the characters, not the cast, everyone plays a 30-year-old <laughs> to play 16-year-olds in America, um, that when you are the age of the characters, you think, surely not. I'm just brimming with so much emotion and hormones and all the rest of it. And then when you're an adult, you think, oh, yeah, I know what you were saying. And it simply is when you get older, your heart dies. And when I watch Raw, my heart dies. Don't think Ali Sheedy was watching Raw, but uh, she's certainly prescient. My God, I'm just dead inside watching this absolute content change bollocks. It's just... Unacceptably bad. There was a uh, a moment during this show where I broke a rule of mine 
and I rewound it and put it on normal speed just because I didn't quite catch what Angel where Angel Garza basically said he was going to shove the rose this week. I thought I better get that down for my notes just in case which oh, of this is going to go in. And how Garza going ass to mouth. <laughs> so <laughs> I watched it and then for about three seconds afterwards, I just left it on normal speed and I genuinely said out loud, who could actually watch this show at normal speed? I, mean, I, I need to capture just how drained of energy it is to accurately inform my analysis of a show that doesn't deserve analysis. I, I, I'm dead inside. You, you know when like, you accidentally open the front-facing camera and you're like, oh, God, I look a bit iffy there. I'd love it if we could all take a photo of us peeking in, you know, in the small small hours of Tuesday morning watching this show. Because I guarantee, like, you know, two minutes. I guarantee, like, Sid on a Thursday morning would be like, whoa, and, like, screaming, like you said, when they nearly killed Dobby Allen by throwing him out of Daly's place. And, you know, Hamlet probably would enjoy SmackDown and, and maybe I'd find elements of, well, obviously certain elements of, of NXT to pop about, but I guarantee it would be the same face for all three of us of just going, <laughs> how long's left on Raw? Got some porridge or something for breakfast. There's like over-stylized bits that like um, Guy Ritchie would like, where like the setting up of a gun gets like every single sound, like, like, like split screen between the three. Nothing happening. Just all of us taking sludgy spoonfuls of porridge, feeling glum. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> Me delaying two and a half hours of wrestling without the adverts in and just going on Twitter. Because <laughs> I can't be asked to watch it. Someone tweeted this morning about it some elements of Raw, you're better off just watching porn because it's less embarrassing and easy to explain. Someone's like, you know, start reviewing porn then. So there's a new, there's a new podcast happening for us, lads. Review a Raw dog. But, oh my God. The thing is, right, some people will go, um, you lads have complained in the past that they uh, hot shot main events and uh, they always start with promos. Didn't do it again this week. And it's like, all right, yeah, by the book, they've slightly improved. But, well, let's dive straight into it because the show opened with the uh, the previously advertised six-woman tag match. It was uh, Charlotte Flair, Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler versus Asuka, Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke. And it was awful. Um, two minutes in, they all, they all get in the ring. They start arguing you think there's going to be a brawl and who should appear on the stage but hang on one second i'm just going to unplug this oh jesus christ but little miss bliss but she's not alone lads she's only gone and brought a friend (laughs) (laughs) well you made me sit through this goddamn match lily um she appeared she said some bollocks and she went we've got our eye on someone, we'll come back to who she's potentially got around in a second because the finish of the match was voodoo. I think it was voodoo. Shayna Baszler was walking for a tag and then went <laughs> and then got hit by a shining wizard by Asuka and pinned. Because, of course, I ranted about this yesterday on the Raw preview. I went, All they have to do is pin Dana Brooke. It's rich. She's, that's what she's there for. Nah, I've been Shayna Baszler again. Are you kidding me with this? Uh, post-match. Uh, Will Vaughan, I'm going to have to stage an intervention at some point, right? 
they're not going to ever do anything with Shayna Baszler. No, I realise that. I realise that, but it still disappoints me every time. Uh, Charlotte laid out Asuka post-match, and then they looped that creepy laugh of Lily's, and Asuka just uh, and uh, uh, Alexa just giggling as the uh, as we went to the back. Sige, would love to know your thoughts on this opener compared to you know the Young Bucks versus Pack and Phoenix or other yeah. stuff that we get to watch on other channels. If you um, take away the doll, this wasn't the sort of omni disaster that so often happens in this Raw Women's Division of late. There was no like laughable GIF material. It was just pretty bog standard with like really immersion breaking moments of hesitation and stuff. Like it was, it was bad, but I've seen worse from this sort of thing. Um, the goddamn finish. But the thing about the interruption, right? It's like had, for example, and I could just use an example from literally any other week, but the show's so deadening that I can't recall any of it. But a theoretical example of something that always happens. If halfway through Seamus versus Humberto Carrillo, Mansoor came out from stemming from the events of last week mm. and stood on the entrance and Seamus was just stood there going, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And then got rolled up and the commentators went, oh, you got distracted. That would have been sold by the people in the ring and at the desk in the exact same register as a supernatural entity <laughs> just suddenly materializing on a swing set. <laughs> If she'd come out with, like, a doll, even then it's like it's a supernatural doll that makes her do things. It would still be ridiculous. But she materialised out of thin air on a swing set. How is this supernatural development just basically Chris Jericho coming out to distract Kevin Owens at Fastlane 2017? (laughs) How is it this same thing? It drives me insane. The other thing I want to talk about very briefly, I'm trying to get my thoughts brief on this. We don't deserve to give it an hour of our time. Is that before the apparent voodoo of the finish, <laughs> I can't wait. You'll never do it again because he knows better than us. But um, Big Vinny V from the Wrestling Observer, like he, do, he does the, when he does a TV recap and he'll never do it for Raw again, he'll go, the finishes to these matches are, and I, on Dynamite, it'll be like, ah, oh, submission, ah, oh, pin or whatever. You do it from like the WCW retro reviews. He always goes like, "Someone got counted out of nowhere in a false count anywhere match." <laughs> because it's Nitro in two thousand, it's like ridiculous, 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 ridiculous. For him, you would have to say the finish of this match was voodoo. But <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't immediately obvious to me that it was voodoo because I don't know why they did this. She'd just given someone a backbreaker on a knee before the finish. So mm. I thought she hurt a knee. Or well, is it actually voodoo? Because I just I've got no idea. I've got no idea. All I know is that everything's rubbish. It, it was voodoo, yeah. Was, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that like that shaking leg wasn't some sort of a uh, shout out to Road Dog. Get well soon, brother. <laughs> um Dickhead go well actually, you know, it was a bit of both. And <laughs> the, the the backbreaker made it feel worse. Well, no, the pins in the knees make it feel worse. It's not a backbreaker, so that's confusing. Cedric called this the other week. Um, Bruce Pritchard loves Papa Shango, uh, but has 
forgotten how that character was received on television, probably because he wasn't there for most of it. It was in his period away from the company. Um, so he has forgotten that your Mean Jeans and your Vince McMahons and even your Ultimate Warriors were there to sell it as otherworldly and like frightening and weird rather than like Nia Jax. I found myself looking at Nia Jax with this kind of, oh, bloody hell, this as well. <laughs> I've got this stuff going on with Reginald. They've got a tag title match on Thursday. Oh, now your legs have been affected by voodoo. This is the last thing I need. I'm trying not to fall over here. Like, it's That's just one point. convenience. Can I interject with one point? Right. She's got probably as many storylines brewing as Kenny Omega has on Dynamite. Don't get <laughs> Jax. Come on. Sorry, go on. Uh, it's okay, because I have nothing else to add. It's like... You were kind of to the match that I was too. Who is she targeting? Because she was seemingly targeting, she was in the background of Sonya Deville's bit last bit last week, Lily, that is. Then I've seen a lot of people excited today that they're going to get Charlotte versus Alexa. Or is it Asuka? Or is it Shayna? Or is it, as it should be, someone like a Dana Brooke to be used as the first murder? It's powers. It's powers over every... Like, I don't think this is going to be a target thing on Shayna. It's it's power, like the idea is is that she's going to be too great for this division to cope with because she's got powers. You know how like <laughs> you know like Frankie Monet has got like a, a dog and can mix it up a little bit. Alexa Bliss has got a doll and can literally mix up like a sort of cauldron of powers. This is this is Raw's Frankie Monet. It is. They want you to ask the question, and they are. And you've just asked it, Wilborn. So. Job done, maybe. Yeah. She said last week that that favourite colour is red and Charlotte Flair was wearing a red robe. Was that a red herring? Like, she, she's going to, to have them all. She wants to attack them all. Did you just promise me one thing today, okay? Yeah. Don't go on Twitter looking into more of this because I looked. I thought, oh, I'll see what the conversation is. <laughs> and someone's posted. And I can't, I genuinely can't tell anymore whether this is a joke or not. But someone posted, like, cl- images from from Raw last night with Charlotte and Alexa and what have you. And photos from an old Survivor series going, Alexa doesn't forget. <laughs> Alexa didn't have a doll last month. <laughs> She's always been there though. She's always been there. Move on. Okay. Uh, we move on. Uh, Riddle is in the back. He's uh, gone up to New Day and informed them that they finally officially registered as a tag team two weeks after getting victories. Uh, the matches have been sanctioned. AJ Styles and almost apparently haven't registered for the division of which they hold the tough. You're a real team, unlike uh, AJ Styles and almost checks notes. The current tag team champions. Uh, and then Riddle says, oh, wasn't it funny last week when Orton got it with tomato? Three weeks in a row with tomato stuff on Raw. I can't believe it. Um, wasn't it funny when Orton got hit with those tomatoes last week and then they did the old, oh, who's standing behind you? And Riddle didn't apologise. He went, nah, it was funny though, wasn't it, Randy? Uh, and Riddle says, the things I found funny is ending careers, kicking people in the head and setting things on fire. What do you think of the promo, Hamlet? You were uh, rubbing your head there. Miserable. Absolutely, like, I, this just this just made me so sad. I don't, I don't sympathise one bit with Riddle. I particularly like him. 
But I can, from a distance, acknowledge that RK Bro is a thing that is happening. And if there were crowds in the buildings, you'd feel bubbling anticipation for them eventually winning the tag titles. It's just it's, it's almost instant. You know, the turn's going to be good, the match will be good. But they just can't get out their own way. Like, this is how Randy Orton would speak in this dreadful WWE dialogue, in this dreadful character that has been here. In Like, Randy Orton's been in so much of my life. Randy Orton's been in my, more of my life than my own children. Like, it's, you know what I find funny? is kicking people in the head. Like, if he's in that crowd of people, they'll be like, oh, oh we'll leave you to it then. Like, thanks for, thanks for killing the fun. Like, where's Twitter, Randy Orton, for this specific angle? Yeah. yeah. That's the one you actually need. But they can't. They, they just kind of get out their own way. And I'm, again, I'm saying that. Like, I'm enjoying this fun at arm's length. And even I would have been like, go on, do a bit of your, do a bit of your online, Randy, because that, that fits this. But he can't. They're just... They're, they're incapable of that. There's no wiggle room for any of this. I don't know where he is because we no longer have a comment section, right? There's a favourite proto-mega fan of mine called Hiromu Snek. Oh, I remember Hiromu yeah. Snek. Hiromu Snek, proto-mega fan, really nice fella. Um, all supportive in the, in the comment sections, etc. He had my number, right? Because I always used to put over the new day, even in articles where like, I would just be burying WWE at large. And he was saying to me, I know your sense of humor. You do not like the New Day. I said, like, I do. It's like, no, you're lying because you feel like you need to talk something nice about the New Day or WWE to deflect the heat. I was like, yeah, you're right. I don't actually find them funny because I'm not eight. But <laughs> you know, they've got such an effervescent charm and personality. It's so much them that even if I don't like it, like it, love it, love it, love it, I'm not like a big fan. I can't deny them how popular they are. They are themselves, and that's what ultimately this all should be about. The New Day are so far removed from that now. Kingston and Xavier Woods, like, it's not lame on purpose anymore where they knew the joke and they knew how to... They were like a Pixar of an act, essentially. Mm. I don't actually like Pixar, but it works as a shorthand comparison. If you thought my wrestling takes were controversial, people, you should listen to my film ones. I don't Mm. like Pixar. I don't like modern Pixar at all. I think it's pretentious. I think that instead of being films for everyone they are in fact films for no one and i know that from the bitter experience of me being bored by the reaches for profound of my kids just not having their attention held anyway people know what pixar is and what shorthand for they were a pixar act and now they're just rubbish they don't feel like they are they have the fight to get bad material over anymore it feels like they just can't be asked and i can't blame them uh, then we went to Braun Strowman's personal locker room. MVP came in. Braun was chatting to the smallest man they could find to make him look like a giant, basically. And MVP just said, I just want to remind you, after being told to get out, that uh, Drew cost you your match last week. And uh, even Lashley would say, you probably beat him. Uh, it'd be better to do the whole one-on-one thing, et cetera, et cetera. Basically tried to convince him to to murder McIntyre before Sunday so it wouldn't be a triple threat. A different version of the same promo we've heard week after week after week of, oh, I shouldn't have to fight a triple threat. But this time it was trying to trying to trick one of the competitors into taking the other one out and evening the play and levelling the playing field, blah, blah, blah. Nothing to say about this. Um, I did quite enjoy the thing that came next. Uh, it was Postman Pierce, Damian Priest, Miz and Morrison. They had a meeting in the back. And John Morrison said, oh, yeah, 
can't be, I nearly beat you last week, the most moist CWWE. I don't know why it tickles me every time he says stuff like this. Johnny Drip Drip is becoming one of my new favourite things on Raw. Uh, he even tried to subtly saying, you know, I'd have beaten you last week if I hadn't been for a certain someone. And Miz went, you know, I can see you doing that, right? Um, anyway, there was a proposition from Damian Priest. Uh, it was going to be Priest versus Morrison later on in the night. And whoever won would get to pick the stipulation for Damian Priest versus The Miz, which was announced for WrestleMania Backlash. Miz is about to bitch and moan and try and weasel his way out of it. And Morrison just accepted. I quite like this, Edge. If I was in a headspace where I could tolerate literally any of this, I would think, hey, it's not that bad for WWE comedy, this Johnny Drip Drip. Just absurd enough just enough of an idiot to confuse the meanings of the word drip and to extend that joke and to take it to even further absurd extremes. He's, I'm watching him and I'm thinking, I do not hate you. <laughs> I'm watching this thinking, I'm not utterly numb to you. So he must be doing something half right. Yeah, this sort of feels to me like kind of the biggest indictment of WWE at the moment in that I think almost all of this is good. I think the comedy is brought, like, wet stuff is the, is the whole gag. <laughs> broad comedy, but it's kind of like passively entertaining. We've said this for weeks now. They've, like, very, like, logically gone about splitting the Miz and Morrison in, like, a very believable and for WWE quite a patient fashion as well. They're not being patronised by things like invisible cameras, like the idea that they're not so stupid to hear what the other person's saying. Little disagreements, dating back to like The Miz bringing Maurice on without telling John Morrison, and they're being a bit like, oh, that's a bit off. Like, like, they've done a bit of work. And the work of John Morrison at this point is more babyface-inspired parkour stuff than heel-inspired <laughs> parkour stuff. You know, they can tell they're doing that. You can see it. I have no faith that the actual feud will be any good when they're acknowledging they hate each other like John Morrison will immediately become detestable as a baby face the match will be that kind of bland two and three quarter star thing where people online will be like you like you gotta love how much the Miz wants to get his friend over again like John Morrison's totally ready for a WWE title match after this and I was really bored yeah but he just won and he's a baby face again so like he gets his turn like they're gonna, if there's gonna be a lot of like fake earnest praise for the match, which won't deliver. And the story, I just sense that once you've got an actual baby face and a heel rather than this tease tension, I kind of think it'll be a bit of a disaster. So, this is the best bit. Enjoy this bit because we have been trained to have absolutely no faith in things going well after it. So, if you have it in you to appreciate them doing like a little bit of work here, like relish it because this is probably as good as it gets. Next, Jinder Mahal was back. He came back last week on main event. Shut the f up. He's back, ladies and gentlemen. He's back and he's brought two friends with him. Who needs a bloody Bollywood boys when you've got Veer and Shanky and Shanky's seven foot bloody tall. Uh, yeah, he's got two giant thugs with him. And I thought, oh, okay, I get this. This will just be exactly what happened on main event. There'll be... Uh, There'll be, you know, interference from the two heavies of his. No, he just, he'd be Jeff Hardy cleaning three minutes. Just blocked a twist of fate. Knee strike, collapse, one, two, three. Oh, so you don't need Veer and Shanky. Welcome back, Jinder. 
And already, literally this morning, Michael Hamlet got a question saying, when do you think they're going to feud uh, him and Drew for the title? <laughs> People love it, man. Um, Jeff Hardy's existence is weird, isn't it? Like, he's a guy that, theoretically, if, if you wanted to, and it still could, it's WWE, if you wanted, you could probably have a singles title match, singles title feud, at least, with Jeff Hardy. Believe him. Completely believe him as a number one contender. Huge, proven draw once upon a time. Huge star. So this is weird. This is what they've kind of reduced Jeff Hardy to after that like laughable series with Sheamus and the whole Elias hit and run and all that sort of yeah, stuff last piss. year. Absolutely no attempt to... Yeah, cup of piss. No attempt to rehabilitate him from any of that. No pun intended. Um, Jinder's just as boring as ever and slightly less jacked than he was when he was a boring WWE champion. The Veer and Shanky thing, uh, you're right to highlight that. What strange way to bring them in and then not have them be deployed. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, we've got eight months of these kind of matches before Jinder gets his one-on-one with Drew. So there's, there's time for that, I guess. Drab. So drab. If you were going to have... God damn it. I hate all of this so much. If you're going to have two units, two absolute units, right, alongside you, with the idea being that they're going to make the difference in your matches and they're tried and tested heel heat away if you're going to have them beat up anyone why can't they beat up beloved theoretical legend Jeff Hardy I say theoretical because it didn't goddamn feel like one in this company right now if you're going to protect anyone in defeat it should be Jeff Hardy like people love him people love him and people could love him in the AEW Dustin Rhodes mold if this company was halfway competent like halfway competent they could be booking them in that sort of early AEW Dustin mold, but that, that they are absolutely incompetent to the con. How is it possible to have such a drab, botch-ridden, four-minute squash when you've got that much experience, when you've got a partner with yet more experience and you were once entrusted to carry that WWE title? There's an art to a good squash match. There's an art to a great squash match, rather, a squash match is so easy, right? That's why they get the lummoxes to do them when they're first starting out because they can't be exposed in a long match because squash matches are the easiest matches to do. I love a good one, but, you know, they're easy. Hmm. How could, How is it so bad? <laughs> like, they flubbed stuff. It went four minutes. It's just everything sucks. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Well, moving on, tell you one thing that doesn't suck. And that's AJ Styles' goatee. Oh, what a treat this was. He was backstage anyway. Uh, as I said, the third week, you Florida tomato businesses, you must be absolutely Scrooge McDucking with what's <laughs> going on here. Another batch of perfectly ripe tomatoes that are horrible and rotten. Uh, Elias and Jackson, they're obsessed with, with getting the new day back with these tomatoes. And Styles and Big George show up and go, what the hell are you doing? Elias is going to sing him a song about what he's going to do. And Styles said, there's no need for that. Quite right. He said, let's take the match a little bit more seriously. A four-on-four match coming. And then, oh my God, in a, a, in a terrifying show of strength, Michael Sidgwick, Big George crushed a tomato in his hands. <laughs> I mean, I could do that. I could do that. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> back in the Halcyon days, when this was amazing, they would film Andre the Friggin' Giant from this low angle to make him look like an actual skyscraper of a bloke. They knew how to get these guys over as these supernatural presences. They put almost in a sweater and they haven't crushed something I could crush. He, he, he ostensibly ripped up a bit of paper here. That's what he did. And you were meant to receive it as this, oh, God, I wish that wasn't my skull. Mm-hmm. That's what they said. He said, this is what I'm going to do to our opponents tonight. Squash it tomorrow. <laughs> it, 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 if it was a bollocks, that could have worked. Yeah. But not the skulls, because it was a tomato and I could do that. I could do that. I've got quite thin wrists. And unfortunately, yeah. they're one of the few things in life I can almost get my little finger and thumb around the wrist. Yeah, me too. Oh, that's because I've got short fingers. Forget it. I'm soft as clots, right? And I could do that. You know, do an apple. I don't care if it's not a tomato, but you can analyze long-term storytelling, Cedric. It's actually tomatoes are, that are the, uh, the, the key theme of this food. I want to die. I hope, I, he, slowly, he slowly breaks apart, breaks up a salad. Like next week, snaps a cucumber over his knee. <laughs> if this is... Hashtag LTST. Like, aren't those tomatoes supposed to be softer anyway? I know they look fresh as out, but the whole point is that they're supposed yeah. to be there for throwing, aren't they, rather than eating? So that should be even easier than a regular tomato, which is piss easy. If they are in a state of decomposition, then yeah. <laughs> it should be we, like juice in his hands. We, like, rail against this company all the time for being, like, so patronising. And, you know, there's going to be, like, very young children, and evidently by NXT's key demographic, very old people watching. And I understand the need to go beat for beat. Here's your recap. Here's a story. Here's the exposition. Here's the Drew McIntyre promo. For those members of the audience, right? The five-year-olds and the 85-year-olds. It's everybody else in the middle where typically WWE's patronising presentation is just that. It's patronising. It's condescending. You don't want to watch. I'm begging them here on this podcast 
can you please tell me how to feel about any of these people? Because <laughs> I just don't know. Your storytelling is no longer like relating to me the information I need to understand how I'm supposed to feel about like almost the majority of your roster. I ask myself this question all the time when I'm watching Monday Night Raw. Okay, well, you've done that thing. How am I supposed to feel about you now you've done that thing? Mm. And I, I cannot find the answer time after time after. And this despite the fact they're over-explaining it. And I'm not sure how I'm supposed to feel about any of this. So then we got the the four on four match: Riddle, Orton, Kofi, Xavier, Elias, Jackson, Riker, AJ Styles, and Big George. Yeah, Elias starts the match, tags Omos in, who immediately just takes out Riddle and Kingston, and then they go to a break and they came back, and I was like, "Wait, why is Big George not still in the ring? Why would you ever tag him out? Considering how he handled Riddle and Kingston, and as has done Xavier Woods in the past, ridiculous." Uh, but anyway, when we eventually come back. Uh, frequent tags. Riddle gives Elias a bro Derek. Almost comes in, breaks up the cover. Uh, and then Orton blind tags Riddle as he comes off the top. Almost sort of knocks him out of the air. Styles is down on the mats and the New Day spinning around like me and my mates doing break dancing at a wedding. Uh, Almost goes out to, to stop what they're doing and that allows Orton to hit an RKO on Elias for the one, two, three. They all celebrate both. <laughs> Except Orton, who decides to RKO both members of the New Day, whilst Riddle goes, what are you doing? We'll never make friends this way. Didn't hate the post-match. Yeah. Even though, again, caveats, Riddle, dickhead. I half like the idea of Mark Riddle trying to buddy up to Randy Orton and being like a hard, intense guy. And then somewhere down the line, like showing like empathy for someone like Woods or Kingston. And then he gets RKO'd. And that's the inciting instant for their breakup and feud and whatever. Like the idea, and it's so catastrophically at odds with what a dickhead he is in real life, that Matt Riddle is simply too precious to turn heel. Maybe there's a kernel of a decent narrative there. The match was made, it has to be a scorcher or a something so physical like a Drew or a, a Drew a Drew a Sheamus or a Riddle match they can like pound some life into you using their fists as defibrillators like that's what they can do on this show to make it halfway enough to wake me up this match didn't do that so I don't care yeah I see better versions of multi-mans on Wednesdays of course I do I'm getting paid to say it <laughs> big disappointment this you know I'm lower on the match even than Cedric. I like I was really, really disappointed by this. I think I was allowed to have pretty, don't have expectations. Like looking at some of the talent in this and looking how relatively well Omos has done so far. And like bad night for him, deer in the headlights by the end here. I uh, got lost. It's gonna happen from time to time. It is he's inexperienced and they're making use Eight of that as well for a guy like that. Yeah, like you're gonna get this from time to time, but you can't help like it breaking the immersion. Um, yeah, I didn't think this was any good. And as much as I did enjoy the post match, it sort of sort of soured me on like RK Bro eventually winning the tag titles, obviously, because that's presumably where this goes. Or you get it to the, the very sort of point they're about to win them, and then you have the turn or whatever. Um, but I cannot bear to watch any more of all of the ancillary players here: New Day, Elias, Jackson Riker. Like they feel so superfluous. Um, 
and this match could have turned us around on that. You know, this match could have been like, ah, you know, this was all right. We're going to have to do it again at WrestleMania Backlash. Like, I de- dare I say it, we might. They might just hoy this on as a kickoff rematch or something like that. Um, but yeah, I got more than I wanted out of this. I, I just did. I wanted to see a lot less than what I got out of this. Uh, then we had Sonya Deville, who earlier on in the night had been seen meeting with, with Charlotte Flair. She met with Asuka and Rhea Ripley, and she said, oh, someone's given me this really good idea. You two are going to face off again. Ripley went, well, this is clearly Charlotte's idea. Deville went, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. And Asuka said, I've already competed tonight, but I'll fight again because I'm ready for Rhea. And Ripley said, I'll happily beat you again, Asuka, just like I did at WrestleMania. Sid, your head was on the desk for the entirety of me reading that out. Wasn't this made explicitly clear last week in a promo segment that it was, in fact, Charlotte in the process of doing it last week? Mm. And that did happen, didn't it? In the middle of the ring, on yeah. last week's Raw, Charlotte Flair successfully negotiated with Sonya Deville to make this a triple threat match. Yeah. yeah. And then they are acting this week like it happened in a clandestine meeting. I've got a pencil... It's a, it's a nervous tick whenever I do a podcast. You might remember from the old days. And I hold a pen or a pencil. It's just a nervous tick that I've got. I don't know what to do with my hands. Like, I want to re- reenact a scene in the Dark Knight rather than watch anything to do with Charlotte Flair or any of this. Listen, these days. <laughs> uh, this Rhea Ripley run is a disaster. Dead. Is it He's got the pencil in that goddamn dome about three weeks ago. <laughs> just, uh, I hate this. I don't know who she is. Again, like just, just one week, tell me what to think about her, and I'll try. Um, because... I get the way sometimes that they, you know, and they sometimes go like, right, we need three facts about you. And some <laughs> people understand that they struggle. Hers was, she's 24. Right, I get it. That's impressive, but she's done quite a lot already in her career that you could say you need to care about her more than she's young. Preposterous. Sorry, Amber, I cut across you there. No, it's it's hard. She's. I, I feel a bit sad. Like she's young, so the like she's not even yet hitting a prime. So they're probably careless enough to just assume, oh well, like this is this is the bit where she proves herself. It's going to be you're going to be absolutely miserable if you're a Rhea Ripley fan for the better part of five years. And then if you're lucky, and if she clings on for dear life, something might come good in the end because that's the process, isn't it? That's the process of the successful NXT call-up. It's not up you go, become a big star. It's up you go, suffer, suffer some more, suffer again. If you're lucky in five years, you'll have a match that people actually want to watch. And I just, in this role, I, like, I feel such sympathy for her because this sort of stuff won't get forgotten. You know, this is not career killing on the level of like how retribution felt, but you are committing hours of yourself to the public consciousness, playing this role that people will remember. Wrestling fans have got long memories. WWE don't, WWE writers don't, but wrestling fans do. And there will come a day where Rhea Ripley will be somewhat cursed by this run, even if she is fixed, even if things go better for her and she starts to feel like a natural version of herself again. It like... In a lot of Shayna Baszler was affected by voodoo on this show, and I still somehow feel sadder for the decline of Rhea Ripley than I do Shayna Baszler because I feel like it's it's currently more damaging. Uh, Kevin Patrick 
caught up with Lassie and MVP backstage, asked him what he planned on proving tonight. MVP's offended by them even, even coming in and asking this question. But Lassie said, well, I'll beat Strowman, I'll beat McIntyre again. Uh, and Patrick said, oh, what's all this about MVP offering Strowman a, a proposition, you know, to take out? I mean, we all watched it happen. <laughs> Not reports, really, is it? But still, uh, MVP said uh, negotiations... Like, sorry, unlike this interview is still ongoing, just sort of stumbled over his words a little bit there, but a nothing interview backstage continuing this. God, I cannot wait to this pay-per-view and not in a, oh, I can't wait for this pay-per-view. Then it'll be over. This time no. next week, it'll be over. If it's not formally called WrestleMania Backlash Backlash, <laughs> it might as well be. And WrestleMania Backlash Backlash Backlash. Then they'll probably do something new at SummerSlam when they realise that crap. I hope the ratings for this goddamn show. I can't fathom why they're holding up. Mm. It's absolutely insane. After Braun takes the pin, we're just going to get Drew and Bobby in a singles at WrestleMania Money in the Backlash. Yeah. <laughs> so, just so they can continue this on. This angle, because obviously there's a match later on, and it's always that thing where you're like, well, they're really physically trying and oh, I've got respect to the wrestlers. This storyline is like sinfully boring, isn't it? Mm. It's like a, a WWE title feud. Harry Paul Rudd. <laughs> coming off the back of like, I fucking wish, um, <laughs> off the back of like an explosive WrestleMania match as well. And like Bobby Lashley is a fairly hot world champion. I, I just, I, I get a bit angry at how drab this angle's been, how dull this story is. MVP is quite a good orator, and I feel like this material has dragged him into the drain as well. I, I, I hate the story. It's barely a story, but I hate it. Yeah, not a fan. Um, we had a promo from Seamus before his match with Humberto Carrillo, saying, "Oh yeah, when I, you know, when I won this title and." Postman Pierce said, oh, you know, you're following in the footsteps of great US champions and those amazing open challenges we've seen in the past. And he went, well, the bloody hell would I do that? Idiots. I'm not going to defend this title every bloody week at open challenges. People, I don't know what you're talking about. He uh, slagged off four ad work on commentary. How many weeks has it been? Yeah, you're crap. Uh, and then he said, uh, blah, 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 opportunity. You'll get an opportunity to get a bloody bro kick in your head, you knobhead. Uh, so I came on Berto Carrillo and uh, there was some you know, good fun stuff. I, like we've said, uh, enjoy these two in the ring and we were speaking about whether they're going to get a match uh, for the United States Championship at um, WrestleMania Backlash off the back of this. And, and Carrillo, uh, after a break, uh, fought back after Sheamus was just battering him with a Hurricane Rana. The uh, issue came though, Carrillo went for a sunset flip powerbomb to the outside and Sheamus landed on Carrillo's knee. His legs sort of went limp. I saw people speculating whether he landed and damaged his tailbone on Twitter. Regardless, the referee started counting them out, then realised there was clearly an issue, went and checked on Carrillo and just called it referee stoppage. Uh, Sheamus gets the victory. Just sucks this for, for uh, Umberto Carrillo, doesn't it, Sige? Because he, he was just coming back and, and getting established in a title feud. Yeah, absolutely. Like, here's the thing. My sympathies are completely with him. It's one of those moments that illuminates to you that as bored as it can be, you must caveat every single analysis. Hopefully it goes without saying, but yeah. you probably should say, look, they work really hard. They're putting their bodies on the line. Like, if I'm completely jaded by all of this, it's because of the booking and the positioning of the people, blah, 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 blah. 
it is a shame for Humberto career. It really, really is. Like, I wish the best for him. What was he? I don't know what he's going to do after this, but it just maybe he could have grabbed these matches by the scruff of the neck and forced them to look at what he was doing, if I'm being generous. Um, so often, really hard work goes unrewarded. So it is a shame. Um, it's just these things happen and they are horrible. And it looked kind of, I don't know how to describe it. Something that looks harmless more often than not is actually the thing that is really bad. And I've yeah. got a vibe of that from this. Uh, all the best to Carrillo. He's so gifted in terms of what he can do and how he can move from one side of the ring to the other. Like he's a modern super athlete who they haven't got the best out of and hopefully he can recover and become that person once again. Yeah, I think fine. I think PW Insider said it's he was shaken up. Um, Hamlet, while you give your take, I'll look for an update. It's just a bit of a shame all around because it did, you know, again, fingers crossed he is all right and it's not going to be a long recovery, but it did like take the wind out of his sails a bit as a character here as well because they're kind of just getting going with him again in this feud with Seamus. There was probably more to do, there might still be more to do if he's fit and good to go. Um, they are in a position at least that might benefit Carrillo if he needs a couple of weeks, if it's only like a short-term thing, where they've got Mansoor there hmm. as like an ancillary character to this feud, like somebody else that's got a bit of aggro with Seamus that you can drop him in now or you can wait until you can have maybe like a three-way programme for this belt. There are avenues that hopefully don't just eradicate Carrillo from this altogether if it turns out that he's good to go. It was a bit of a bugger though, that like the timing of this was a bit frustrating mm. because I feel like this was going to be Carrillo's big shop window and we'll yeah. probably remember that he took his knock in his shop window match instead. It's a bit, bit unfortunate of him. Mike Johnson, who's very reputable historically, reckons he's okay. He's been informed yeah. by people backstage that he's okay. So that's good. Yeah, good. That's great. Uh, that's fantastic news. Uh, then we got a video package uh, showing us how Lucha lit the Lucha house boy are. Random, okay. And then they just completely uh, re-aired the Eva Marie video from, from last week about her evolution. We get an update on that a little bit later on. And then we got the blow-off match, Sean Benjamin versus Cedric Alexander. That went a whole five minutes, I think, this. Um, they're both just still in their hurt business gear. Fine. And for what it was, it was enjoyable, this, because they're two great workers. Um, but they were given hardly any time. Alexander... Dragon screws Benjamin's leg to get the advantage. Goes for a heel hook, but Shelton Benjamin counters into a sharpshooter. Alexander gets to the ropes, hits a drop kick, hits a neuralizer. He's yelling at everyone to, to notice him and acknowledge him and to the commentators to really put him over. Dares Benjamin to get up, who immediately hits him with a T-bone suplex and gets the victory. Job done. Cedric Alexander sucks, Michael Hamplett. Christ, I... Well, I just, it, like, I found this to be, like, a really sad presentation this is the quintessential yeah but yeah let it play out and see where it goes match um because we're not supposed to analyze this one week of Shelton Benjamin's victory we're supposed to be like oh what's going to happen as a result of Cedric Alexander I'll tell you what's going to happen absolutely nothing right Vincent Mann's had chances to push Cedric Alexander before and he doesn't really want to so Cedric will just meander like so many other guys do um just feels like sad end to a sad story it was a story it was hmm. They were in a stable. They found themselves out of that stable. They were in a tag team. They fell out with each other. They've had a match. All of it's felt sad. All of it's felt needless. Right the way through to the result of this functionally okay match. 
but you'll pardon me for not having faith that Cedric will be just fine after this loss. Because um, Shelton's not getting a push either. That's the thing. Mm. It's not like this could have gone either way and now it's going to be Shelton that's going to get the run and all that kind of thing. He's not. So Let's this is going to be... money in the bank for old time's sake. Oh, Christ. Yeah, great. Like, you know, like, short <laughs> like short Ben Roy being excited on Slack for a couple of minutes and us getting the clips on Peacock of him doing that one awesome spot in that first match. I don't know. Just like Shelton... Shelton's going to stay where he is. It's the fact that they're going to try and treat this like a Cedric redemption thing and it's not going to take. It's not like it's absolutely not going to take. And in three weeks, he's going to be AWOL. They're so blunt and thick with their <laughs> storytelling that I could tell what they were trying to do, but it just it's thick and blunt and careless. They could not have made Shelton Benjamin look more of an old overwhelmed bloke who's got the kicked out of him. And then they couldn't, in contrast, have made Cedric Alexander look less thick. It wasn't Shelton. It was, it was, it was a level below Shelton Benjamin stealing one. It wasn't even that. It was worse than that. Shelton Benjamin got his ass kicked handily. Cedric Alexander wasn't outwitted by the veteran. He was just a moron. So you've got a loser and a moron and uh, the loser goes over. The loser is the winner of the match. It's pathetic. You know what? For once, I'm going to disagree with both of you. I've got faith in this. I think next week, Cedric Alexander comes out, maybe even to open Raw, and he's got the mic, and he says, "Ah, you know what, Shelton Benjamin? After the beating you gave me on Raw last week, I'm not ready to face you again. But I think you know the guy who is. Puts on some overalls. Gary the Goat Garbert! (laughs) (laughs) Loads. Anyway, let's move on. It's a load of crap, that, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> reminded us about Drew Gulak again. A rose kicked up his ass. Garza's doing a photo shoot with a different rose, I assume. Uh, Drew Gulak comes in. I like this bit where he said, uh, you embarrassed and humiliated me. And Angel Garza went, what's your problem? And he went, you embarrassed. Did you not hear? I just said, are you embarrassed and humiliating me? And he said, oh, next, next time, maybe I'm not going to kick a rose up your ass. Maybe I'll shove it down your throat. Okay. Back. <laughs> I mean, it's just rose stuff. <laughs> Florist in Florida. Yay! We're getting in on this. Goose stuff. Tomato stuff. <laughs> just, like, if you're going <laughs> to... If you're going to give us rose stuff, just stick to the kicking little people's ass. <laughs> I don't feel like that's much to ask. They've happened upon a stupid thing that will have novelty value for a month. So just let's have our, just give me my month of rose up the arse gruel and then we'll move on to the next bowl. Don't try and sell it as more than it is. Don't try and be like, these two are going to have to have a match on the Backlash kickoff. Or maybe we're going to have to have a rematch next week where Drew again gets the rose. Just, just give us four weeks of it, eh? Like, on a pole match. Yeah, I, I will I will admit, as a man who's been to many, many football games and stood behind a goalkeeper about to take a goal kick, if he starts selling that as a build-up to, you know, like Randy Orton's punt, that'll get over. Oh, rose up the arse, get in! It's like a countdown before it. That's how Drew won the title pretty much, isn't it? <laughs> I hate all this. <laughs> 
worse every week. Uh, well, we got 13 minutes of Rhea Ripley versus Asuka next. Sid, does that make you feel any better? No, because... You know I'm going to go for a piss. <laughs> but if, honestly, I'll, if I was reviewing Dynamite and I really need a piss, I would just piss myself. <laughs> I'm sorry about this. But I'll be two minutes left. Rhea Ripley was was in control anyway in this match until, of course, Charlotte's music hits, which distracts her. Asuka comes back with a back fist. And then when we go to break and come back, Charlotte is, of course, being unbearable with Corey Graves on commentary. Ripley hoys Asuka outside the ring. She goes face to face with Charlotte. Ripley uh, attacks Asuka, uh, hits her with a Northern Lights suplex. Asuka counters a riptide into a code breaker for a two count. No one actually bought that she was going to pin Rhea Ripley, of course. Ripley rolls to the outside, confronts Charlotte. Asuka, running hip attack off the announced table, uh, takes them both out. Missile drop kick uh, in the ring for another two count. Ripley comes back, kicks, kicks Asuka in the head. Riptide, one, two, three. Ripley poses with the belt and Charlotte goes, oh yeah, well done sort of thing. See you on Sunday. Couldn't care less about this again. No. Uh, tried hard, worked hard, but they're wading through treacle, aren't they? Well, it's not treacle in WWE, is it? It's just a vat of black goo that they've got left over from before WrestleMania. They're just wading through that. It's just, I don't know. I know who Asuka is. I do. I understand who Asuka is. She's a, oh, great, a weaker version of herself from 12 months ago. Cool, cool, cool. Um, Charlotte is garnering the wrong kind of heat in this character which says a lot considering there's no crowd there to respond to it but it's the they're going for that like really cheap um i, I can't even think of the word to describe it but just like irritating heat she's, yeah. an, she's an irritant she's a james ellsworth and she's not man she's charlotte flair get the heat a different way like Flex the sides of your personality that people came to hate organically as the queen, as somebody that lorded over everybody that you were just too good and it frustrated everybody how good you were. Like, be that. Don't be some, like, negging arsehole at ringside who has to neg and be an arsehole because they don't have the skills. Mm. When you're that character, it's because you don't have faith in yourself. Charlotte Flair, if there's one thing she's got an abundance of, and as she should, is faith in herself. So that doesn't work. Rhea Ripley, again, like a promos, is lost to this character and its impact in her matches because she's she's a wrestle bot now. So it's like, right, gonna go and pull that face at this time, gonna go sell this in a way that doesn't all feel real or lived in because I'm not playing Rhea Ripley. I'm playing this character that I read about on a sheet of paper earlier on. Mm. Um, it's affecting the work, it's affecting the matches. Even based on the fairly high quality bar of WWE pay-per-views, like, I think this could reek on Sunday. I really do. Like, it comes to something when you can't have faith in these guys, free from the confines of television and ad breaks to have a good match on a pay-per-view. But, like, I've got concerns that this is going to tank. Rhea Ripley's lost and has no confidence. Asuka is on horrendous form by her standards in 2021. And, my God, Charlotte Flair's even worse than that. This was, elements of it were okay, but then <laughs> it's a long match and you know the finish. Like the finish is staring you in the face and the camera cut to that face that was staring at you. I hate it, man. Don't know how, I don't know how people watch it. I, I don't 
again, in a weird way, they've managed to achieve what we've often complained about because I'd say they're most interested on this show about the tag belts. So they've, they've, they've done that. It's just that's because they've lowered everything else. Don't care about the WWE Championship. Don't care about the Women's Championship. United States Championship's good, but it's going a bit off the rails with all the stuff that's gone on. So therefore, by default, Tag Team Championships, biggest thing on the show. So there we go. Well, maybe not. Maybe second biggest after Lily. Uh, right, McIntyre and... I was live, that one. Special one for you. <laughs> McIntyre uh, gets interviewed backstage and does the most generic babyface... Oh, you put your disgusting hands on me promo. That's why he got involved in the main event last week. Uh, it wasn't his fault that Strowman got spear, but it was his fault that they both got laid out, uh, Strowman and Lashley, by Claymore's. Look, he openly admitted if Strowman and Lashley team up, I'm buggered, but he's going to connect with a Claymore at Backlash and once again become champion. Anything you want to say about this, Sige? No. Good. Let's move on to Damian Priest versus John Morrison. Yeah. yeah. Oh, thank goodness. I mean, it's it's a match we've seen lots. I saw uh, it last week. We literally saw it last week, yeah. Priest sets up for hit the lights. Miz distracts the ref. Morrison counters for a crucifix pin, but by the time referees come over and Miz has stopped distracting him, uh, Priest's got time to kick out. Immediately hits hit the lights. Uh, Miz tries to attack Priest post-match. Doesn't work. And so Priest sets another example by hitting Morrison with a second hit mm-hmm. the lights. And he's going to have, well, I'll tell you the match he's going to have in due course. When we when we get to it, but enough of all that. That time for this. It's short. It's crap. It's wrestling related. The five star review review nailed it. Ba-da, 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 ba-da. I don't want to make noise. <laughs> we need that. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. And this week's five star review review is brought to you by Midgewick. <laughs> If you're your name associated uh, and you want to suggest a short yeah. wrestling-related replacement segment for something on Monday Night Raw, just submit a five-star review review on iTunes. I don't know if you can. If you, this podcast actually pops up on Apple anymore. Yeah. Don't update. If you, you've got an update, tell them, tell them about this, Apple. You know more about this. Don't update your Apple Podcasts app. They have WW2K20, that fucking thing. Um if you haven't been receiving our podcasts, we promise it's not because of us. Go to Spotify, go to Acast, go to Overcast. Like, stay with Apple and rate us five stars because those charts really, really matter. Yeah. Don't delete your app. Just that's why we're not appearing. Apologies. I've experienced this firsthand. Your head smashing off a wall with my podcast apps collapse over the last sort of 48 hours. It's, it's not us. It's them. I'm sure they're working on a fix. But just, you know, find us all the other places in the meantime, please. Really bad. Anyway, Midgewick uh, writes this review, keeps it short and sweet, just says, I love this, Route 1 this. Hello, five-star review, review, Roman Reigns suffering succotash. Job done. <laughs> that's the review, that's the kind of review I need. Uh, Hamlet, please take us back to when Roman Reigns couldn't cut the awesome promos that he does on SmackDown every week now. Oh, um, well, there's not a lot going on for these two together. The whole thing here, the shield was so brilliant that you, was that you could put any two of them together every now and then when they weren't feeding with each other, and the crowd would would res, like respond, they would react, they were emotionally once invested in this relationship. Then WWE spent years trying to change that by having like little back and forth like this. And it's like, oh, I just hate them all now. I hate all three members of the shield. These were men I used to love. Seth is heading into that absolute classic he had at the Royal Rumble. 
mm. with Brock Lesnar and John Cena. Uh, he's got the briefcase. He's just feeling like the next guy, to be fair. Meanwhile, Roman Reigns, of course, is the guy as far as WWE concerned. And he too is heading to the 2015 Royal Rumble. What could possibly go wrong? Um, so you find one heel who's actually supposed to like think he's cool, but not be cool, sort of getting over, and the babyface, who is being cast as cool, being the least coolest guy on the whole show. It's a proper, it's a nightmare of tone and register before they've even spoke, unfortunately. Um, but it's the Shield and they say brother, and fans really did care about that once upon a time. So it would take some pretty awful dialogue to ruin uh, a feudless back and forth between the two of them on a random SmackDown. I don't even know why anybody even remembers this. Sish, would you say this is the start of the downward spiral or had it already begun by this point? You got what, What's lost is that you get Roman Reigns' chance after the infamous line um, because the SEALs in the audience have been affectionately conditioned to fill in the gaps of silence when a wrestler had finished saying a word. Um, but among beyond that crowd on that night, um, as everyone thought, he was an absolute tosser. An absolute tosser. Um, you're not allowed, by the way, to say that the head of the table is a little bit overrated um, because you will get murdered on Twitter. So don't do that. <laughs> it's much better. I love the act. The act is objectively, I would say, grey. It's just uh, SmackDown. It's such a standstill WWE show that I can't really get on board with it personally. But as great as the act is now, this was as bad. You should do a social experiment on Twitter, Sage. No, I do enough of them. Bury people and see the reaction you get. So, like, who's worse to slag off on Twitter? The Fiend? I'm never, ever in my lifetime. And thank Christ, I don't have any cause to. I could honestly come up with the absolute funniest joke in recorded history at the expense of Sasha Banks. I would never, ever tell it on Twitter. Mercifully, I don't have to. She's amazing. But, mm. my God. I think the Roman ones, in my experience, are the worst. Mm. So anyway, uh, Rollins is in the ring uh, and he says he'd like to take this time to ask for 10 seconds of silence so everyone can acknowledge the lacklustre careers of Eric Rowan, Ryback and Dolph Ziggler. What happened prior to this, Hamlet? They'd won that Survivor Series match to get rid of the authority forever and then three weeks later the authority were back thanks to Seth Rollins and those guys were fired. <laughs> That's the, that's, that's the whole angle. Didn't he threaten to murder Edge? That was what did it. Yeah. So, like, undo everything in the Survivor Series, otherwise I'll end Edge's career again. Like, that was it. Mingle. The idea that the authority thought, right, okay, well, let's get a bit tired from this. Um, what we'll have to do is we'll have to end the faction and we'll get Sting involved, do it, and then we'll put some guys over in the meantime. Then they realised, hang on, we quite like us. <laughs> let's put it back on telly. <laughs> Does Sting think he is? <laughs> so, so Rollins asks everyone to bow their heads while the bell tolls 10 times. And he and Jane J Security do so. Bell starts tolling. And in the middle of it, Roman Reigns music hits. Baba, who remembers the shield? He's the physical embodiment of the shield. Cheer this, man. He's got blue eyes. Don't remember these guys are a different color. <laughs> it's so low key problematic. Why do you like? Oh, I'm not. You know, even... why, you know why? And I'm not getting into it. Um, 
and they, they they're really insistent. He's a powerhouse. Say powerhouse commentators. They said it about five times in this segment. Here he is. The powerhouse Roman Reigns is here on SmackDown. Comes down to the ring. Uh, Rollins says, good to see you again, brother. And <laughs> Andy Murray. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns. Uh, and Reigns says, by the way, there's an element of this promo that I really like, and you're about to come to it. He says, brother, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. In opposite land. That's basically what he says. <laughs> Actually... I'm not sorry. <laughs> That's what he says. That's what he yeah. says. He says, look at you. You're just so full of yourself now. Actually, you're full of something else. He's talking about crap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he says, <clears throat> I hate you, Midgwick, for making me go back and watch this. I hate you, Midwick, full stop. <laughs> you are a sniveling little suck-up sellout full of sucker and suckatash, son! I know. That wasn't easy to say. It's WWE's big plan. <laughs> Grand plan. Beating The Undertaker and Brock Lesnar plan. Just to get Roman Reigns over is the most insufferable bastard in all of creation <laughs> mommy dickweed and this is what Vince McMahon values in people that you are meant to like <laughs> I hate everything it's like it's only I know it's a long time six years ago this Roman Reigns from this to the head of the table has aged 25 years Every single one of them better than the last. Like, I, yeah, honestly, it, you almost can't. It's crossing and surfacing levels of difference. At least both of those were over. But, like, it's that levels of difference. And all he's done, looks-wise, is sort of bulk up a little bit. But the maturity and how much you believe what he does on SmackDown versus the absolute state of this. Like, they're... I think we've watched a few of these lately and I've done a couple of other... I did Tater Tots recently for an article. Like, I think I'd forgotten how hard they leaned into the John Cena stuff mm. because I remembered watching the time that, like, John Cena really needlessly eviscerated him on Raw and I was like, oh, God, like, Roman looks like a little boy in the presence of John Cena. I forgot how he looked like an even littler boy when he was playing John Cena without John Cena around. Like, ugh, ugh. Awful, just really awful. I mean, I forgot the like second wave of this. So there's up there's, there's the suffering Sokotash bollocks, which we all know about. There's the wink, which is just <laughs> I said, I was sat watching this in my room making notes this morning, and I went, Oh, you twats. Just I just came came out of me. And then I forgot that he then goes, My brother here, my so-called brother here. See, he's got donkey dung for brain. <laughs> I hate it. smiled since five o'clock this morning. It's, it, I hated that. Almost what? even more. Right around the time he started doing that. What even is that? Phone up the beers, I think, innit? Uh, 
I, I did that in an article actually. Oh, I was talking about that. Sammy Orton. Uh, but Roman's doing it for real. He's a, I, he's a squirrel. Say what? <laughs> I put it in an article that he was made to do this because they thought it was cool. And Michael Hayes said, oh, that'll make you cool in a bid to make him the Teenage Mutant Ninja Tribal Chief. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Roman Reigns and I sold my buy to let properties. (laughs) IPA. But what he's trying to say here, Michael Cedric, is... I'm going to kick your ass. And then he punches J&J security and he punches Rollins out the ring and the commentators say, he's a bloody powerhouse, this lad. Under the sl- under no provocation, really, whatsoever? No. no. Oh, dickhead. Get to the comments. Seriously, I'm getting hungry. Well, before we get to the comments, there was a little bonus clip that we got with this that I'd normally go and close this down. Wait. But not before I saw dead behind the eyes Dean Ambrose trying to sell us on signing up to the WWE Network. Hey, uh, you want to see uh, more clips of me? Click on this unstable button, which, as Michael Apple pointed out, is just the WWE Network symbol wobbling a bit. <laughs> and then, oh, you want to see more clips? Click here. And if you want to, if you want to get notified every time I'm uh, pretty wacky, I don't know what he said exactly, but there's a thing to click at the bottom for every time they post Dean Ambrose clips. I think he said I'm, something like. Uh... If, if you want to see me fight a Yuji Nagata, let's see if I don't kill myself over the next six years and keep your fingers crossed. I mean, if there was a perfect personification of like, oh, it's no, you've ruined it, it's broken. It's that, isn't it? Of just like, you could just, and it's also when they hold the clip, because obviously, like, I'll just give them, you know, that five second period after you finish talking to people for the really thick people to go, oh, you said click there to get the clips. So we just have to hold it, just like, do I meant to click if you want? Is this just finger pointing at the bottom corner? Go on, click, click. How much, how much more of this have I got? Oh, sweet. Yeah. Completely dead behind the eyes. Watch it. Watch that clip just for the last 10 seconds, I'd say. Um, right, let's move on to the comments section. Once again, these do not reflect the views. <laughs> Myself, the Dudley Woods, or anyone at Walk Gulch Wrestling. Start with a nice one. Mac Coronado. Who came here from what culture's video? 10 things WWE wants you to forget about Roman Reigns. Hey, here we are. That's nice. Uh, Musfira writes, oh, I loved when Roman turned to the camera and blinked his eye. Wrestling HD <laughs> writes, simp. So <laughs> Blinked. <laughs> uh, Olay, Olay de Cook. He could have said wiggly giblets as long as he winked after it, it'd be all right by me. The wink was the worst bit. He all said wiggly giblets. Got a problem like that. Nitro once, I think, not with that one. Uh, Omela Brown writes Set got some big hands, lol. I feel it for Set. So I don't even know what's going on there. Also, a lot of comments, as we will conclude within a second, uh, of ladies getting pretty excited about Roman Reigns. There's a big kiss me Roman Reigns sign in the background. And he's he's wet and he's winking. What, what can I say? Uh, so Amia, I think... He's trying to like be like, well, he's not that cool, ladies. Uh, if you want to check out a bit, a bit, bit of me, uh, Amia writes, 
Roman looked like him bad in bed. So there we go. <laughs> Finally, six months ago, McKinsey writes, once again, not afraid to use myself to daddy boys, I don't know what culture wrestling. <laughs> Me and Roman make the same face when we're both mad, and I want to sit on his face. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, they love Roman like, don't they? <laughs> anyway, is it the main event? Uh, thank you once again to Midwick for that. Oh, God. Besides what culture wrestling leaves a five-star review and uh, suggest something short crap and wrestling related. Next up, it's not the main event. Nearly there, trust me. Three segments. It was even great. In, in addition to the main event? Uh, no, no, no. There's the, like three things include to it, including the main event, yeah. Right, okay. Eva Marie, she's doing a photo shoot. People say uh, they see her as a supermodel. She sees herself as a super role model. Nice. That's a nice bit of uh, wordplay, eh, Sige? Yeah. Not into the well, evil. She's manager and she's going to have um, a new client and then when the new client beats somebody up, she's then going to say, do I have your attention now? That's what, that's what it's building to. So that'll be, that'll be something to watch. To watch. Anything, any thoughts on the evolution uh, pamphlet this week? Um, there's two role models, probably the best female all-rounders across both brands. Maybe she's rolling back the old trolling years and trying to make people think of that and make that comparison in their minds for when she wrestles. I think I'm being too generous with that take, to be honest, as I say it. It's just but, an influencer spiel, isn't it? That yeah. they've copied that they've copied the copy off Instagram. What was next there, Wilbur? Uh, it was <laughs> don't read this along. It was Damien Priest announcing he wants a lumberjack match against the Miz at WrestleMania Backlash. Because he doesn't want him to run away. Which actually makes sense, I suppose, Hamlet. Mm, does it? Surely he's kind of disadvantaged himself by knowing full well that like there'll be just as many lumberjacks that dislike him as dislike the Miz. Like, the thing, wanna... everyone looks like a complete tit when they pick any WWE stipulation a la Braun Strowman, even though it didn't happen realistically at WrestleMania. Because WWE's been so bad for so long that it's compromising every character who's in the promotion. That's what happens. Sorry, pamphlet. No, I'll just you know, I'll put John Morrison in a shark cage or because he's the guy that might potentially interfere. Or, you know, you're Damien Priest and you want to make a big statement. Oh, I've been given the choice. Well, fantastic. I think we'll have a hell in a cell. Now try and put that on second. You know, like, <laughs> work yourself, yourself into a main event or something like that. Uh, but no, he's going to allow 10 people that want to beat him up to stand on one side of the rink awaiting the opportunity to beat him up. You do you, Damien. You do you. Could Bad Bunny be one of the... No, he won't. He's fucked <laughs> Uh, right, main event time, Michael Sidgwick. Drew McIntyre versus Bobby Lashley. And oh, I can't believe this. It ended in a DQ. Didn't see this one coming. Um, look, we know that these two are great at just kicking the crap out of each other. Suplexes, overhead suplexes, neck breakers, headbutts, spine busters, etc. cetera. Um, McIntyre goes for a claymore, but Lashley hits him with a running body block. Lashley tries to put the hurt lock on him, but... Mac is trying to trying to escape and he can't quite lock it on. So Lashley suplexes him instead. McIntyre comes right back with a claymore and then got the got him down. He's down. He's literally laying next to him. He needs to put his hand on him and he'll pin him. 
Strowman's music hits. McIntyre distracts himself with all that. Turns around. Strowman hasn't come from the stage. He's come from behind him. He attacks him, lays him out with a power slam. Uh, Strowman helps Lashley to his feet, lays him out with a power slam, gives uh, McIntyre another power slam, and then slams Lashley through the barricade. Strowman hits one more power slam and stands tall as the show ends as we look towards WrestleMania backlash. Like an entertaining match between the two of them, but we all knew what the finish was going to be, didn't we, Sige? Right. Yes. Yes, we did. Every everybody, everybody knew what the finish was going to be. The idea for me is like I can't watch it. I can't watch this. It, it doesn't mean anything because there's no stakes. There's no stakes. They're both in the match. At I know they try to do stakes like oh well they might establish a relationship that puts Drew McIntyre at a disadvantage in the match itself. How to see how that turns out? It was never going to happen. And even if that was the case, he's still in the match. There's nothing really about it. That's how triple threat matches psychologically should function anyway. The fact that you knew, you knew, you knew, you knew what the finish was going to be. It was, I'm going to try and create a bit of an analogy here, a bit of a scenario for you. And it was, you put the oven on, you preheat it for 180 degrees, right? You get this mid-frozen pizza that you don't really want, but it's got stodge, right? It'll do the job. You know the kind. The crusts are like breadsticks by the end of it. Mm-hmm. The tomato sauce is t- far too sweet, far too processed. It's almost unpleasant on the palate. There's just enough of the doughy underside of the bread on the bottom there, and just enough processed cheese where you can get a little bit of taste out of it. So this is what this match was. And then you put it in the oven, and you think, I'm not going to enjoy this. Ah, oh, cheese is oozing a little bit. I'm pretty sure I have a nice bite of that. And then eight to ten minutes turns into 15. You're burning the pizza. Because you can't taste it because there's no finish to it. You don't eat it. There's no finish. And then after half an hour, you just sat in front of the oven. And, you, and your wife comes in and she says, you're not going to eat that. It's getting a bit burnt. And you say, no, there's no finish to this. And if anything, I'm just going to put my head in the oven alongside it. And uh, just put it in there for about three hours. That should do the trick. I can't even attempt to follow that other than to say that we record these right before dinner. So of course I know what I'm going to go and eat as soon as I close this laptop lid. Um, yeah, the table stuff is just noise, isn't it? Like it's just just noise and a splash of colours a little bit when tables explode, but it's as meaningless as when you would do three in the middle of one match in the video games when you were younger because you could, because we get one of these every week now. Why didn't Drew go for the pin while he was waiting for Strowman to arrive? <laughs> Like, you had more than three seconds to play with. Could have done that as well. Could have multitasked. Like, all of this, this is, this is crap. Like, this is drab crap. And it's their main event between, like, three monsters. Yeah. Go back to the Melter one all the time. Vincent Man forgetting how to ride a bike. All of these events, guys. This is the easy stuff. Meat and drink, as the football managers would say. And there's loads of meat here. Um, but yeah, just drab crap. Miserable. Yeah, nothing more to add. Let us know your thoughts on Raw at What Culture WWE. Well, actually, you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at Michael Hamflit. Follow Michael Sidgwick at M. Sidgwick. 
follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE, and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling or follow whatever bollocks they call it now on Apple. Uh, at what Culture Wrestling, uh, wherever you get your podcasts from. The Daily Wrestling Podcast. Got the NXT preview coming later on today. And if you want to suggest something uh, short crap and wrestling related for us to review instead of a god-awful Monday Night Raw segment, send us a five-star review review on iTunes, if you still can. Everybody knows. But for now, this has been the Raw Review. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us. We will see you soon. Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.